Thank you for joining the fun here at All for Animals. We're a growing podcast, so be sure to find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at All for Animals Pod or our Instagram at All for Animals Podcast. Thanks so much. We'll see you there. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm your host, Peter. And this this is is All for Animals. animals. (laughs) And today we are going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart and a little bit touchy, at least with talking to potential clients. And that is loving your pet to death by feeding just way too much. Absolutely. All right. So since this one can be a touchy subject, I know that a lot of people like to avoid it. And I've definitely been guilty of that as well. But sometimes, unfortunately, it just kind of has to be brought up and it needs a lot more awareness. It's, it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. We know all too well the struggle of trying to resist those adorable begging puppy dog eyes when your pup wants scraps of your dinner or that extra treat. But the problem with that is all those those even just a couple extra pounds on your dog or cat can cause all kinds of problems. Yeah, most definitely, especially large breeds, um, overweight, large breeds, you run into a menagerie of issues later in life, especially when we're talking about hips and arthritis and joint pain and, um, well, and it's not even specific to large breeds because honestly, Magic's been in the process of being tested for Cushing's and because of the Cushing's he's he's really struggling to he, he's got that like pot belly starting mm-hmm. and I'm really struggling to keep extra weight off of him. And can you let our audience and, know I mean, a little bit more about what Cushing's is for those that don't? I actually have that later on in the episode. I'm going to explain some uh, medical conditions that can cause excess weight to appear Perfect. on your pet even if you are not feeling too yes, much. Yes, those are always things to watch yes. for. Yes. So I know really, really, really well how hard this can be, especially because I'm a chunky woman myself. So there's no shaming going on in this episode because I know damn well how difficult it can be to resist that extra snack. However, I do always feel like it helps to explain to people when you're talking about their animal's weight. If you kind of give them this comparison that the difference between a 150 pound person and like a 15 pound dog is literally exponential. Exponential. It's 10 times a a, a human being of at, at 150 pounds is 10 times heavier than a little like 15 pound Shih Tzu. So if I, if, if a, geez, I'm all stuttery now. So if a 150 pound person gains two pounds, not really a big deal. You may not even notice it. If a little 15 pound dog gains two pounds, it's essentially as though that 150 pound person actually gained 20. That's something you're going to notice. Yeah. So I think they say, especially for what is it, small breeds, 25 and under for every one pound they gain, it's like 10 pounds on us. Just as a visual reference for you guys. Exactly. So their bodies are just, their bodies are just so much smaller than ours. At least the vast majority of them. When we're talking about cats or small to medium dogs, they're pretty much always going to be 
relied upon to be significantly smaller than us. And even the larger dogs, they are still smaller than human beings and their body systems just are laid out differently. So that weight that gets carried, it's just, it's going to affect them a little bit differently, especially when it comes to the joints, since, you know, we walk on two legs and they walk on four. So I kind of wanted to dive into what makes me specifically passionate about this topic. So I just mentioned my Havanese magic, he got injured while playing and tore his cruciate ligament about five years ago. He had to have surgery and then physical therapy. And although it's, it's much better now, he still can't go for the nice long walks we used to. And it still gets sore whenever it's like cold out or if the weather is changing back and forth a bunch. So like right now, he's really hurting because the weather cannot seem to make up his freaking mind. Um, so any extra weight that he carries just adds extra strain on that already touchy leg. And then our surgeon, when Magic had his surgery, also told us that I, I believe he said it was something like 80% of CCL, cruciate, canine cruciate ligament tears, within like the next two years or something, the other leg will tear as well. And somehow, over this time, knock on wood, we've managed to avoid that second tear. And I'm very grateful for that and I'd like to keep it that way. So I am always trying to make sure he stays at the ideal weight, especially now that he is 13 years old. By the way, happy birthday to my bubbas. <laughs> Both he and Miyagi just had their birthdays last, uh, uh, about a week and a half ago. So given their age 13 and 11 arthritis is it's a very real concern and I don't want magic or Miyagi to be in pain or struggle to walk and I also want to avoid having to put them on any kind of like daily pain meds for as long as possible since everyone kind of knows those drugs can really mess with the liver and kidneys over a long period of time so the less time they have to be on it the better so I have here a few statistics from the American Pet Products Association, or the APPA, that tells us a bit better about how pet obesity is, is such a pervasive issue. It's actually apparently being considered an epidemic in the US. In 2018, an estimated 60% of cats and 56% of dogs in the US were overweight, and the definition of overweight is a body condition score of six or seven, and I'm, I'm going to be including a body condition score chart um, or a link to a body condition chores or blah, 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 a body condition score chart uh, in the show notes so that you guys can look at that up and it will be uh, it has one for cats as well as dogs so you can see just exactly how your pet should fall on that chart and if they look slightly off on the ideal which is usually a four or five then you can talk to your vet uh, so anyway an estimated let's see here 60 percent of cats and 56 percent of dogs in the u.s were overweight with a bcs of six or seven or obese which is a bcs of eight to nine so that is a huge statistic and i did not realize it was that big of a problem did you yeah i had no clue well, well, I didn't know it was that big of a problem in numbers. 
Um, being in vet med, I would say I can remember <laughs> typically about every single day, about half of the animals we'd seen were a six or seven on the um, on the weight chart. So yeah, I could believe it, unfortunately. So um, I will also say it's it's it can be troubling and it can be frustrating. Um, watching your pet's weight. I'm having an issue with one of my cats right now. Um, she just went to the vet for her annuals and she had gained a pound in a year, which obviously in cats, she's gained about 10 pounds. Um, I do not, I do sure. not free feed. Um, I feed mm-hmm. a lower calorie diet um, and I portion appropriately every 12 hours. So we're just trying to figure out like how and why and where this extra weight is coming from. So, you know, it it can be frustrating, but the biggest thing is, you know, you want to listen to your vet when we're talking about weight issues, because much like humans, once that extra weight's on there, it's really, really hard to get off. So we kind of want to stop the weight gain in its tracks before it gets um, out of control. Absolutely. So, and that's another reason uh, you're kind of touching on something that uh, is about the other reason that I'm passionate about this issue. And that's that... Your animals are 1,000% dependent upon you to make the best choices for them. So things like free feeding and not paying attention to like the exact amount of food that your pets are eating, not having them go in for their annual checkups and be weighed so that you have some kind of idea if their weight is fluctuating and why. Those kinds of things, those are the, the things that you have control over, but your pet doesn't they can't walk themselves to the vet and they can't decide for themselves to make healthy choices like you or I you know if I notice I'm starting to put on some more (laughs) weight and want to change that I always have the option to make some kind of change and and work on that your pet can't decide to go to the gym or eat better food or reduce snacks on their own so it's our jobs as they're humans to make those choices for them and animals They have that innate evolutionary instinct to seek out food whenever they can find it. They're always going to want more food. It serves wild animals well since they don't always know when or where their next meal is going to be coming from. And they also burn a lot more calories working on their food. Yeah. Yes. Far more active. But your your average house pet... They're being fed on a very regular basis. They're laying around on the couch. They're being pampered. They, that, that instinct, it's essentially like a vestigial organ. It's not useful for them. It only tends to cause more problems. So I'm kind of hoping that by understanding that biological response, people can kind of reframe their thinking because your pets are always going to act like they need more food. But that most definitely does not actually mean that they really need it or that they're going to go hungry if you don't give them that extra snack. So I know I I hear a lot of times if you mention something about, you know, this extra weight is going to put a lot of strain on these joints. You might want to rein it in on table scraps and treats and try actually measuring food instead of free feeding. And people tend to feel guilty. They feel sad. They don't want to say no when their dog is giving them those puppy dog eyes. And they think that their dog is coming to them because they're actively hungry. And it's 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 not that they're going to starve to death. It's not that they're hungry. They're just, of course, they want food. They're hardwired 
to seek that at all times. And so you're just kind of falling prey to an evolutionary trick that doesn't really help your pets anymore. Well, and furthermore, as far as, you know, table scraps, that's a, that's a <laughs> kind of dancing with the devil, um, especially with dogs. I mean, once you break that barrier. Yeah. For so many other reasons than the weight. Well, it's annoying. You know, you get house guests. So, yeah. I mean, we always had dogs. Of course, we were dumb <laughs> and we we did table scraps left and right. Um, our dogs growing sure. up, they got to lick the plates clean before they went in the dishwasher um, which is <laughs> once you break that barrier, you really just can't go back. Animals aren't stupid and they know what's on your plate. Um, and you also have to think of their sniffers. They can smell so much better. Yep. So, um, you know, table scrap, giving your pet treats is one thing, but table scraps, that's just a whole nother barrier and broken boundary in my opinion. Um, just because, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, you know, and you're, your yeah. dog's going around to all your house guests. It's it's it it can be frustrating for you, um, and they they just know it is what they've been conditioned to do in order to receive that yeah. good good food. Yeah, they will do what you allow them right. to, and even with even without considering the irritating behavioral issues that can come from that kind of issue, you know today's dogs have more and more allergies every day. I'm, I'm sure you've noticed it as well with your groom clients. So these dogs are, they're dealing with such bad allergies that even we, we can't even get them to eat like regular dog food without having allergic reactions over and over and over again. So by adding in the table scraps that you don't necessarily know exactly what your dog could be potentially reacting to, that just kind of makes you flying blind when you're trying to figure Absolutely. out why your dog is itching so bad that they're losing clumps of hair. Yep. And so that's something that gets overlooked a lot too, um, is, you know, a lot of small dogs, um, especially, you know, just the genetics behind them and a lot of breed specific food allergies come into play. And, you know, it just adds another factor when you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, I know that my, my mom is a good example of her dog. They just figured out, um, I think he just needs to be on duck or salmon or something like that. Sure. And, you know, if they would have been feeding him table scraps and adding other elements and other, um, foods that a pet doesn't normally consume into his diet, it just makes figuring out a whole lot more expensive and food allergy testing is expensive and it's never a guarantee. And hard. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's really difficult. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's just best, you know, human foods for humans and dog foods for dogs. And, of course, they have other yep. They have other options on the market that are like, you know, when we want to consume a brownie or a cookie, you know, they get something similar for, for dogs and cats yeah. that, of course, you know, is given very, very conservatively. Um, and this way we're watching calorie intake to ensure we're not getting any big itchy pets. Absolutely. So then that also kind of helps me shoehorn into the next topic or part of our topic, I guess, which is what exactly the risks are for pets carrying extra weight. So according to the American Veterinary Medicine Association or AVMA, quote, keeping your pet at a healthy weight lowers his or her risk of diabetes, high blood pressure, 
respiratory disease, kidney disease, and even some forms of cancer. It can also reduce the risks of injury to bones, joints, and muscles that are associated with extra weight. Being overweight has even, oh, I'm sorry, unquote. <laughs> Being overweight has even been shown to reduce your pet's life, specifically this one goes for dogs, up to two and a half years. And that, when I read that, I was like, oh, damn, I didn't realize that they had pinpointed it that well. So obviously the next issue to address is going to be how, how you actually identify whether or not your pet is overweight. And the very best advice that I can ever give here is obviously going to be to talk to your vet. They'll absolutely be able to tell you if your pet has a few pounds to lose and even be able to give you some tips on how to accomplish that. But I also have a favorite tip of my own that I like to share with my grooming clients um, so that they can kind of evaluate on their own at home and see if they, they need to make that vet appointment sooner rather than later. So I tell my clients, take the tips of your fingers and just lightly run them along your dog's ribs. You should be able to just feel the ribs underneath the skin, but not prominently see them. And that's the best way I've ever been able to explain what your dog's body composition should look like, barring other, other factors. And that's where your vet will have to give you more tailored advice, specific specifically geared towards your pet if there's other considerations but I'm also going to include that link to the body condition score chart so that everybody can see a visual representation of how to look at your dog from the side as well as from above and this is also for cats too I keep saying dog I don't know why um the chart will show the dogs and cats from the side as well as up above so you can get a better idea if your pet is on that more troubling end of the spectrum with those higher numbers that might need to be seen by the vet to evaluate maybe a new food choice, some different habits, right. and what have you. So if you cannot feel those ribs at all, your pet may have a weight problem, but Again, certain breeds, certain body compositions, certain mixes and whatnot, it might be a little bit different for each individual dog, so your vet will be able to give you a better idea. But if your pet has gained weight recently, especially if it was a sudden gain, your vet will also want to test probably for some medical conditions that can contribute to or cause any number of issues that will lead to either the appearance of weight gain by like fluid retention or actual weight gain with, you know, the extra fat collection. So health conditions that tend to cause weight troubles in pets are hypothyroid, which is where the thyroid gland, which is essentially responsible for telling literally your entire body how to work, is not active enough. Uh, there's excess fluid retention, usually due to kidney or liver issues. And then there's Cushing's disease, which is essentially an overproduction of cortisol over a long period of time caused by either pituitary or adrenal gland issues or tumors. And this one is, is, quite, frequently, is quite frequently seen in older pets. And like I said, magic is currently in the process of being diagnosed with Cushing's. It's not always an easy one to diagnose, but 
his vet and I, we've been kind of going back and forth on this for a few months now, and we're pretty sure that's what's causing him some troubles in his old age. And all of these, con these conditions, including Cushing's, are manageable, and your vet will be able to help you develop a plan for whatever it might be that is contributing to your pet's weight gain. But if you've had that visit to your vet and they've ruled out any kind of health concern, then the next step is to evaluate your pet's food intake and make sure that there's not extra treats being snuck to the pet or table scraps being fed underneath the table or, you know, your toddler throwing food to your dog under the high chair or something like that. So it doesn't have to be a scary thing to commit to managing your pet's weight. There are an infinite number of ways to keep food a fun bonding experience between you and your pet. But you do have to make sure that, like I said, the entire family is committed to it as well. Because think about it this way. If, you're, if you were thinking, at least, that you were the only one feeding your dog those table scraps, then other members of your family are probably also thinking that they're the only ones sneaking those little morsels to your critters on the slide. Right. All the people involved in caring for your pets should be aware of the game plan for the best chances at success. I get a lot of people um, that want to manage their pet's weight and they don't know how, you know, they say, well, I can't just take my, my dog or my cat to the vet every week to get it weighed. Um, the best way you can maintain your pet's weight at home is actually if you have a human scale. Um, I see people do mm -hmm. this all the time where they try to just put their animal on the human yep. scale. No. Weigh, nope. weigh yourself <laughs> holding your animal. And, and I usually, you know, you usually weigh yourself two or three times holding your animal to get the most, you know, average weight. Sure. Um, sometimes scales can fluctuate. Put down your animal, re-weigh yourself, and subtract the numbers. While it's not always the most accurate, um, it's... It's at least a good starting point. It's better than nothing. And typically, you know, just make a... At, once a week. Um, I weigh my hedgehogs every yeah. single week. Um, not obviously weight is super important on both ends. If your animal's losing too much weight, then you know that they need to see the vet. They're probably ill and not feeling too well. Absolutely. But weekly weigh-ins will tell you a lot more, um, about your animal than you think. And they're relatively easy to do in your home, um, with that little nifty little yeah. trick of hold, release, reweigh yourself, subtract the numbers. And that's how you find your weight every week. Yeah. Absolutely. And thank you for that, because I had forgotten to include that in my my research here, even though that is literally how I'm always weighing my animals. And the only way I, I so my mom's actually going through a weight loss um, issue with one of her dogs. And um, what you had said is what our vet said, you know, if we can lightly mm -hmm. feel the ribs. Of course, um, another reason you would ask your vet is my mom, I had just groomed her dog not that long ago. She's like, do you think, you know, Louie's lost too much weight? I said, no, I think he's a perfect size. She says, well, I think he's too skinny. And the vet was able to confirm that he is indeed the perfect size. So maybe the perfect weight isn't necessarily what you're expecting to see, feel, um, yeah. when you pick your pet up. And of course I, I watched my mother try to weigh her, her one-year-old puppy on the human scale by himself. I says, mom. Pick up the damn dog, <laughs> weigh him and weigh you. Yep. And um, you know, a lot of people just don't think about it that way, but it's a great, great source. So yes, I hope I hope yes. that someone can apply that to their weekly pet routine. 
Absolutely. So back to keeping like the, the food more fun, making meals more fun is super easy if you just get a little bit creative. So there's a million different kinds of puzzle feeders out there, uh, like foraging toys, those like the little like Kong shaped ball things that they bat around and there's like a hole in it and it just dispenses a couple pieces of kibble. Have you heard of a snuffle mat, Rachel? Yes, that was my next one. The snuffle mats, the puzzle toys, everything. These, These toys, they... They're wonderful tools for a plethora of reasons, but for right this second, I'm going to focus on their fantastic enrichment. So enrichment is when you're giving your dog that mental stimulation, you're letting them solve puzzles. They are putting themselves to work and they're getting that confidence and they are working for something. So it's kind of taking up some of that mental energy that can lead to the anxiety and other neuroses. So it's really good for that. And then on top of that, it's prolonging your pet's dinner time, making them feel like they're getting more food. So it's not quite so much of a sad, restrictive thing as much as here's a new game. So it makes it a more positive thing and also helping you to bond more with your pet, adding in that time, training them how to use the toy or snuffle mat or whatever. And also you just get to enjoy them being adorable and excited about their food in a new way. And increasing their activity level, which anytime you are trying to lose some weight, increasing activity is also helpful. So have you ever um, used any kind of like foraging toys or puzzle toys or anything for your kitty cats? I have. So cat activity, I believe I'm saying that, captivity or something like that. Um, it's, yes. it's, I have a few of those toys. Um, they actually range in difficulty. Um, I, my exotics, exotic Persians are not the smartest, so <laughs> I give them the lesser toys. Um, and then Cisco, Cisco does a really good job. There's one really difficult toy that only Cisco's figured out, um, and he has to take this rope and pull it, and it'll expose a few pieces of kibble for him. And he's the only, even as Brother hasn't figured that one out yet. Um, and I don't use actual treats. For me, treats seem more like a dog thing. Cat treats don't make sense to me. I usually. They're food motivated enough by their kibble. I'll just kind of put a few bits of kibble in there and then make their breakfast just slightly lighter to even out. Sure. And then, you know, when we had dogs growing up, um, all of our dogs were very food motivated. Some of them were probably pika dogs. So we had snuffle mats galore and they were just wonderful. And it's almost like the amount of calories they burn trying to get the treat really, really does even out when they're playing. (laughs) So... So yeah, a lot of those, and I will say, especially cat people wanting the um, stimulation toys for your cats, be patient with your cat because it takes a while for them to figure it out. Oh, sure. Typically, typically, you know, you want to start with the easier toys and then as they kind of, as you can watch them and see how they interact and assess their interest and skill level then, but you don't want to go buying 50, 60 of these, you know, crazy cat teaser toys and they maybe share interest overwhelming them overwhelming them and they maybe show interest in about four or five so yeah so one of my favorite tips besides like the snuffle mats and foraging type toys is a lot of my grooming clients are 
they tell me they're just not willing to give up feeding their dog some kind of table scraps during dinner. So I tell them, okay, we can still work around that. My favorite tip is get some of the little like baby carrots, slice them in half and put some on a plate while you're eating. That dish of carrots, or you could also use like green beans, chopped hard boiled eggs or other pet safe food that your critter likes, like some plain boiled chicken, some plain oatmeal, something like that, whatever. That will be their table food for the evening. They still get a treat and you're ensuring that that is a lower treat in calories and, and fat. So it's not as much of a heavy, rich treat as whatever it is that you'd be eating. And I've actually, I have a couple of clients that they've seen some really good results doing that where they're, I mean, I have one, especially she's a dachshund and her name is Teeny, <laughs> and she's the most loving and sweet little, little girl. And I say she's little now, but she was not when I first met her. Her belly dragged to the ground and she was having really bad back spasms. And so she was like in and out of the vet all the time. And her parents started getting real serious about lowering her weight. And they would just keep those baby carrots and sliced green beans. Those were Teeny's favorites. Um, just sitting on a little plate at the table anytime they were eating. And just feed her those and not whatever it is that they were eating. And she's lost at least five plus pounds. Oh, wow. And for such a small breed, that's a yeah, really no big difference. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Above all, I'm just going to parrot myself one more time and say, talk to your vet. Talk to the pet professionals in your life that they know what they're talking about, and especially your vet, so that you're getting that advice that is tailored to your pet, and you're also making sure to rule out any kind of pre-existing health condition that could possibly even explain your pet's weight gain. Right. When talking to clients... Many pet owners who are not animal professionals are, like you said earlier, Peter, they're unaware mm -hmm. that their pet is overweight, right. especially if their pet is only a six or a seven on the BCS mm -hmm. chart. If you have a genuine concern or the client is like mentioning something about their, their pet struggling with joint pain or asthma or other health issues, it may be necessary at that point to bring up the subject of their weight. And I really hate having to have this talk, especially because people tend to take it extraordinarily personally. Mm -hmm. But as Peter and I have always said before, your pet professionals only have these difficult conversations with you because we care about your pet. And we really want to help you help them live their longest and healthiest lives. And leading with that information can sometimes mean all the difference. Right. It may be helpful as well to kindly mention some of the other facts that you've learned from us today and send them some of our links from the show notes. Bottom line is sometimes people won't react the best, no matter how delicately you try to bring it up. But when we advocate for animals, we are always doing the right thing. Well, and I think that's, that's important to mention that it's not about scolding you for having an overweight pet. You know, so my cats could be thinner. No. We just want to make sure that you're aware so that, um, you know, later in life, the weight doesn't become more of an issue for your pet. And just so you're aware, if you do want to start taking steps with your veterinarian on at least stopping the weight gain, if not working on getting your pet down the scale a little bit. 
Absolutely. So I hope that everybody's learned some really, really helpful information today. I know I had a lot of fun researching for this one. It's, like I said, it's a topic that's really important to me. I work really hard to keep magic, especially on the lower side on that weight scale because of the, so Cushing's, it causes that extra fat deposit. It replaces muscle with fat over mm -hmm. time. And so he's lost some of the beautiful definition in his hind legs, the muscles and everything. And instead he's got that, I always call it a shelf butt, mm -hmm. where his butt kind of continues past where his tail starts. And it didn't used to do that when he was a little, little one. It only really started in the last maybe two years or so. And um, it, it happens so slowly. And Cushing's is one of those that's really insidious. And we've already done multiple tests for it. But it's also one that can give you a lot of false negatives before you actually land on that positive. But yeah, so I just, I reduce his food whenever there's like training treats involved and everything. And that's the other thing is you just always want to balance it out and make sure that they're not getting more than they, they need. Right. right. Well, and for cat people, uh, multi-cat homes, obviously we want to make sure, you know, free feeding that, you know, one cat's not hogging or withholding calories from another animal. Absolutely. Typically, unless one of my girls is bred, nobody gets free fed and everyone is kennel trained. They eat in their kennels every morning and evening. This way, A, I know how many calories everyone's consuming and that no one's food is getting stolen. Mm -hmm. Additionally, if one of my animals doesn't eat, um, you know, I could keep an eye on that and see how many meals they've chosen not to eat. Another problem with yeah. multi... It just gives you something else to notice right. if, if right. something well, starts to be in off. in a multi-cat home, if you notice something obscure in your litter box, we don't always know which cat it's from. Sure. Um, and so knowing and keeping an eye on who's eating what in their kennels helps me to know if someone has a blockage. If, let's say, I find uh, some sort of plastic wrapper in one of their stools and then, you know, coincidentally, Cisco's not eating you know, the next few days, we can assume that that probably came from Cisco and that there's a block and he needs to go see his doctor. Yeah. So for a multitude of reasons, keeping an eye on your cat's calorie intake is very, very important. Absolutely. So if anybody has any questions for us, any experiences with having these uncomfortable conversations with your clients or even family members about their pets or what have you, or even some scary stories when somebody took it way too personally and got real mad, please send us those stories at allforanimalspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to include them in our next listener stories episode. Absolutely. We also now have a website. It's a little bit under construction still, but you can kind of get a feel for what we're putting out there. It is allforanimalspodcast.com. So go check it out. We would love to get your feedback on that as well. And nevertheless, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. It's, uh, it's, it's a ride, and you know we're still relatively <laughs> new. And we are glad that you guys have hopped aboard this ride with us, and we'll see how far we go. Absolutely. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Yep. Till next time, pet people.